Welcome back to Buckle Up, Queers. The show that pushes the boundaries of comfort and humor. Now your hosts, Grunge Cowboy and Buckle Bear. Feel so happy. Wait, I love that. Um, housekeeping from last episode, I think we talked about having like resident twinks, resident muscle gays, yeah, resident hets and resident heathers. Has anybody reached out to you to be our resident person? I've had two resident female straight women reach out cute i have not oh <laughs> no one has reached out but that's that's okay perfect but can you okay also i think that we should shine, shine some light on ourselves because this is episode seven episode and seven I think that deserves a little celebration because essentially we're coming up on two months of doing this podcast. That's insane. It does not feel like it's been two months. Mm -mm. And we're taking it seriously too. Like you and I have every excuse not to like sit down and record and plan the episodes even more to you because you edit them. Um, And all I have to do is look pretty. (laughs) yeah it's it's funny because there's a lot of times i'm like fuck i don't want to do this today and then the minute we get on here i feel great somebody i know same last week i was not prepared for like an episode but i feel like last week's episode was just so natural um but have you (laughs) uh like a week ago it was on our um episode five i forget what we talked about (laughs) oh wow i'm sorry gay math we talked about like the term partner (laughs) yeah we also talked about that but i had some feedback and i thought it was really funny the person came up to me and was defending the term partner and they said exactly what i said but you cut it out because i was probably rambling Mm -hmm. which obviously. And I was like, wait, no, I said that in the episode. And she, this individual, oh, whatever, she clocked me for it. And she goes, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. And we have this full argument and little fun fact. I love our podcast. I have a hard time listening to it because I don't like the sound of my voice as I think many people do. And so, for all I know, you could be editing me in the most negative light, and I am just putting so much trust in your editing (laughs) skills. But this given incidence, I've always wanted to say this, and this was my my moment, so I do thank you for this. And I said, listen, I got a bad edit, okay? (laughs) And my dramatic side got to come out, and I love playing that role. I love that you get to blame it on me. It's the best. I love that for us. Love that for us. But did you do anything since last time we recorded? How have you been? Good. How was your weekend? How was your week? It was so good. Um, I got to go up to my dad's house this last weekend, which was really fun. Um, He lives like five hours away from me in the mountains, and it's super cute. It's like a little sanctuary. They have some property up there. Um, My dad's also my favorite human on this planet, so anytime I get to spend with him is always a good time. Um, But... For the last year, my dad's been kind of going through, not kind of, he's been going through cancer and battling that. Um, And like two months ago, I want to say, he called me and told me that the doctor gave him the clear that he's officially cancer free, which was really cool. Um, Congrats. Thanks. It was, I can't even explain the feeling that I got when he called me. Um, But obviously with cancer comes a lot of treatments and a lot of destroying your body. And so he's been recovering. And so this weekend was the first time I'd seen him in probably about a month and a half, two months. Um, And it was also the first time in a year that I've seen him not take a nap during the day. Um, It was the first time in a year that I've seen him eat actual food. Um, 
it was the first time in a year that we got to play Mexican Train, which is like a Domino's game that we always play whenever I'm there. So it was a it was a big win weekend. Just being able to see him be a normal human again um, was really special mm-hmm. and really good. Um, and yeah, so that was that was like the best part of my weekend highlight for sure. Uh, both my cars are still pieces of shit. My truck needs a new transmission, so working out the details of getting that, and then they totaled out our other car that we hit a drive shaft on the middle of the road with. So it's been a really fun time with cars, but a really good weekend overall. Good. Yeah. How was yours? I was ready to say, I don't know a lot about cars, but I know once the transmission goes out, it is not a good thing. So yeah, it's not, it hasn't um, been a good time. I am not envious of that. Um, my week after last recording, I literally hung up the phone and got just hit with, I don't know what it was. Maybe my body was catching up to me from the previous weekend. I also have like really bad allergies and I know everyone says that, but mine, um, are, and this is doctor diagnosed. So no one come at me for this crippling allergies, And so when I like travel from like different areas, like there's actual terminology, different like pollens or whatever, um, it hits me. And then when it rains, which it just rained here in Austin, right before I left, it releases all the pollens and all the dust and stuff like that. So I was out for two days and then Friday was good. But uh, another embarrassing apartment moment happened to me um, (laughs) this week. And I put this in the note. Uh, my downstairs neighbor, um, I'm on the third floor. This older couple is on the bottom floor, um, whatever. They are fully convinced that I have a partner. And it's solely because I order too much DoorDash or <laughs> Uber Eats. When I order Uber Eats and it actually ends up at my apartment, because there has been not once, twice, actually multiple locations, I've door dashed food to the wrong address. And I think we talked about this on the pod, but to give a little background, my apartment building, I have to buzz people in and sometimes it's just, it's way easier to just go downstairs and meet them. So I have instructions of like, Hey, park in this like alley type situation and I'll come downstairs where these people park is right outside of this older couple's apartment. Super sweet. They always say hi when I walk by beautiful. But this one time I, this one time it was last week, walked down and the older lady's like, I just think it's so cute that you are always the one that comes down and gets the food for you and your partner. One, she did say the word partner. So I was like, "Ah, ally, great, good for you. Uh, But I didn't understand what she was saying. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry. I don't, yeah, I always come down. And I was like, oh yeah, it's just way easier because I don't want to buzz them in. And she's like, oh, your partner doesn't have the ability to like come down. I was like, oh, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, well, I see you all the time getting your food and you always have two drinks. (laughs) and I just agreed with it. Didn't, I don't know if I just wasn't in the mood to like explain or I was just overly embarrassed, but I wanted to say, no, I'm just fat and I like food. So wait, this is all for me. Do you order two drinks every time you order food? Um, sometimes actually a lot of the times. And I don't know why. Cause like sometimes I'll like, want like a diet coke but then i'll get like a medium like orange soda or just like regular drink regular dr pepper uh balance yeah so (laughs) so now i really have to move between my downstairs neighbors and the sexy man across my hall that thinks i can't walk i have to move i oh and on saturday night i texted you this but a cop car drove me home Oh, yeah. How was that? Um, Went out Saturday night. You know, the good old Buckle Bear and he, how he loves his tequila sodas with splashes of pineapple. Um, ended up staying out way too late. 
and was going home at like 3.30 in the morning. I called an Uber. Right out the gates, me and this Uber driver did not get along because I hiccuped in his car and he turned to me. He goes, you're not going to throw up, right? I was like, no, I'm I'm just hiccuping. Sorry, I'm like tired. And so I'm like kind of just like dozing off whatever. I was just resting my eyes in the back of this Uber and got jolted and he got into a car accident. Um, I don't know how it happened because I was asleep in the back of the Uber at the time. And then cops ended up coming. This whole ordeal. I tried ordering a new Uber, but then my Uber app was just acting really funny because I got it like in the accident and it knew I was in there. So it's kept sending me like these notifications. And I was like asking him, it's like, do I cancel this ride or like, what do I do? I'm like maybe three, four blocks away from home. It was like, awkward. I could walk, but it was three thirty, four in the morning. Might not have been the best. And so he's like, no, if you cancel the ride, I won't get paid. I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, I need, I still need to get home. And then he said something and my word vomit came out and I literally looked at him and like grunted one star. <laughs> I don't know why, but and long story short, the cop, I was like, Hey, I'll just, you know what? You live down there. I'll just drop you off. It's totally fine. Um, and so I didn't sit in the back seat. I was able to sit in the front seat. But during this whole transition where we were like giving statements and they were taking theirs, I did sit in the back of the cop car. And I looked at the person, the cop, and I was like, the seat's just really uncomfortable. And he looked at me and just joked. He goes, you know, I don't think we took that into consideration when designing the car. So, love that for you. Yeah. So, on, honestly, you and I, I pretty much, you and I spent the same amount of time in jail. Yeah, you were locked up. I, I was locked up. Give me a documentary. I can, I'll give you the survival guide. Um, apparently, the seats of cop cars are plastic because it's easier for them to clean up if people throw up in them, which I was not going to throw up. Want to make that crystal clear. So yeah, all I was hoping was that when this cop dropped me off, that the older couple was not outside, even though it was super early in the morning. I don't know. Sometimes people run on odd hours and I was like, just my luck. This couple would be outside drinking a cup of coffee and I get dropped off in a cop car. Especially but elderly luckily people. No one saw me. They're elderly people mm-hmm. are always up early. They very much are. Always are. So I like how you had a very heartfelt week moment and I just had a shit show. And that just, if that doesn't explain the comparisons between the cowboy and I, I really don't know what would, but thank you for being vulnerable. (laughs) So it's very on brand for us. Yeah, I think that this whole episode is going to be a vulnerable moment because you and I were talking last week and kind of setting up what we wanted to talk about. And we kind of came to the epiphany. Is that a word? I think you're just not saying it right, but it is a word. I think you're trying to say epiphany. Epiphany? Yeah. I definitely said epiphany. (laughs) Epiphany. Am I saying it right? An epiphany. Y'all understand. (laughs) Epiphany. I came to the Tiffany um, <laughs> that <laughs> we, listen, our girl Tiffany came in and we had the realization that we have not shared our coming out story with our Heathers and Hets. We haven't even shared them with each other, which I find a little strange. That is kind of, that is kind of true. But also before so, we get into the meat of this episode... So I have an idea that our Heathers and the Hets shoot us messages in the DMs on Instagram with questions they want us to talk about. Because I really, really want to hear Yes. That. And then I want to answer them on the podcast and have a good time with it. Cute. Absolutely. 
So if you're listening, then send us a message with question. Once this once this episode goes up, we'll post that little question box on Instagram stories so y'all can write in Hell and yeah. we can get the Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. You're watching the <laughs> we'll stop there. You're watching. You're listening to Buckle Up Queers. You're listening to Buckle Up Queers with Grunge Cowboy and Buckle Bear. I wish that's what my voice sounded. You actually sound you sound very similar to our intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I actually recorded it. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well. So you're gay, huh? <laughs> no. Oh, this is awkward. You thought I was? Buckle up, Hets. You got another one. <laughs> <laughs> He's back in the closet, folks. Oh, not that. Oh, uh, okay. Well, who do you do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first, or... Who's is longer? I think I could probably say mine was not, like, a big coming out. Mine was definitely in stages, so mine might be a little bit longer. Mine was also not a very happy or thrilling story, so... I, well, that's the thing about coming out stories, is it's very, very rare that they're happy and thrilling. yeah. A lot of times they're yeah. sad and depressy. Depressy, messy. That is kind of true. Um, I think I want you to go first. Okay. I also want to like hear, and I've always wondered this, like, I feel like everybody always has the idea of like, you come out like one time, one big come out, and it's one and done, but both you and I have had this conversation and I love how you put this of like, and I'm not going to steal your words. I'm going to have you say it, but I always wondered if people like come out in stages or like, what do a, what do a majority of people do? And I don't even know if there is a majority or if it's whatever it is. Like we all come out different ways and we all have different stages. Mine was very, I came out slowly to certain people at certain times uh, cause I needed to, I needed to find who was, who were my allies. I needed to find out who I was going to be able to be myself around because I came out later in life. I came out at 27, 28 and yeah, I was a late bloomer before anybody asked. I, I knew like I knew when I was a kid. Um, I don't necessarily think I knew terminology back then, but I definitely knew when like my friends were starting to have crushes on girls, I was starting to have crushes on their dads. So, or their older brothers. (laughs) So I've always (laughs) been into older men and I just knew like, I didn't have that terminology. So I hid that away from me and I would say I experimented in college and that's where I kind of realized, okay, cool. There's something here. Um, And then I like kind of came to the self, I know the self title of, I thought I was bisexual because for me, I thought that that would still give me the opportunity to have like a family and to have like a normal, I'm doing air quotes, normal life. And then I realized at probably like 26, I was fully gay and I had to come out in different stages. I had to make sure for me personally, every aspect of my life was set. Um, I went to the very extreme when it came to coming out. I had to, I was convinced that if somebody was not fully accepting of my life, I was going to have to cut them out of my life. And so I needed to be emotionally and mentally prepared for that. So with that being said, I also had to have those tough conversations with myself about family. So during that time, I had to make sure I was financially stable and independent to where if my parents were not thrilled with me coming out and that possibility did happen, that I wasn't going to be in a worse position. So I came out to my friend over a text message 
she was my best friend at the time. And I just shot this long text message and almost immediately she gave me a call and it was everything a person coming out would want. It was like supportive. She handled it the right way was like, Oh, I knew it. Uh, she never said that. She never was like, Oh, I just knew it. I knew that you were gay this whole time. She would like handled it the best way possible for someone coming out. And then I came out to my close friend group. Uh, we went on a retreat and I had really close friends in that group, but I also had two friends that were, I was really, really close to. And so I wanted to come out to them first because I felt I didn't owe them that, but I felt like it just felt more natural. And I had tried multiple times to come out to these two, uh, but life happened and like interruptions happened, whatever it may be. And I came out to my big group of friends and slowly started coming out. I came out to one family member and then tragedy struck. Um, There were some issues that I was going through um, and somebody had taken my scruff profile and messages and screenshotted them and sent them to family members. Um, in these messages, it was not explicit content, uh, but it was very, my profile picture was on there. Um, it was a whole, like whole thing. So they found my mom on Facebook and they sent them to my mom. And luckily I was able, I lived right down the street from my mom and my parents at the time. So I rushed over and grabbed my mom's iPad and deleted the message before anything. Uh, But my aunt got the message in time. And so she gave me a call that night um, and had a conversation with me. And she asked the question, hey, is there anything you wanted to tell me? And so I came out to her at that time. Um, Also at this time, I had siblings that had come out, which was one would think was would be easier to come out. But for me, it was harder uh, because some of my family members were not supportive. And I heard all the unsupportive conversations that they were having. I was part of those conversations. And so for me, it was really difficult to come out to those individuals because I knew the conversations that were have that they were going to have when I wasn't present in the room. Uh, then I moved away. <laughs> I kind of put coming out on hold and I moved about three hours away. And I told myself in that new chapter of my life, I was going to be a hundred percent myself. I was going to be out to everybody. So I started that chapter completely out to whoever I was around. Um, I never went back into the closet during that time. Um, And then about a year into it, I had made the decision that I was going to come out to my parents. Um, I came out to my mom and she was supportive. Um, I think she kind of was still kind of taken aback. And so I came out to her. It was like a 15 minute conversation, which I think a lot of people think it's going to be an hour long conversation, but if you spend your whole entire life with somebody and you have this vision of what they're going to be, and then something comes in and alters that it does take a time to process. And I was aware Mm -hmm. of that at the time I was in therapy. And so I gave my mom some space and about a week later, she um, called me and she's like, Hey, I have questions. Is it okay to ask them? And I was like, absolutely. And so I answered all of her questions and the final step for me before I came out publicly was to tell my dad, which I would say if you have a relationship as a gay man, if you have a relationship with your dad or a male figure in your life to me, and I know I'm speaking generally, but I know a lot of gay men, that's probably the toughest conversation to have. And so I came out to my dad by telling him I made up a fake boyfriend 
Uh, Because to me, that was easier saying instead of flat out saying I'm gay. It was saying I met somebody and it's not a girl, it's a guy. And so my dad did not have the best reaction. Um, I'm going to spare some of the language because I think he's a very different man now. Um, Very supportive now. Once again, it takes a while to process these things. And so after that, I came up to him at a Black Bear parking lot, Black Bear Diner parking lot. Cute. We love Black Bear. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, it was in Sacramento where I was from and I had to drive about three hours away. And so I immediately texted my mom and I said, Hey, I just came out to dad. He's probably going to come home and feel some kind of way. Just wanted to give you the update. And then my aunt, who was the first person I came out to love her to death but she was drama it was in the best way possible she like immediately called me she was oh my god like are you okay she was very supportive in that aspect but um at that time I was like I enjoyed living my life as 100% authentic myself as a gay man went through the ruffles still don't know who screenshotted those messages Um, so if you are listening, I do have suspicions. So I'm just going to say, fuck you. And I'm happier now than ever. And at one point I had come out to everybody. You can probably attest to this. Did you have people that you personally wanted to come out to on your own and like have that conversation and then other people in your life? That you're just like, I just want one big, like, announcement. And I don't, like, mm-hmm. that's that's where I was. 100%. I was like, I come out to everyone. I had those conversations with everybody I wanted. And now I just, those who were suspecting it or maybe they heard it from somebody else or the grapevine, I'm just going to post on socials. And I did my whole coming out post and received just, like, overwhelming support and love. And now I'm fully gay big gay big gay big 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 time gay gay. um yeah and you said like something you said really just like stuck with me was like i don't think people understand how terrifying it is to come out the very first time and when you're outed it makes it that much scarier because you didn't have time to process it and you didn't get the chance to do it on your terms you you were outed at a time where you weren't ready for it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a, the most terrifying thing to like, a come to terms with the fact that you are different than everybody around you and like learn what that is. And then try to start telling people who you are because it's such an unknown space of like, are they going to accept me? Are they not? Are they going to disown me? Are they going to cuss me out? Are they going to punch me? Like you literally just never know. And so it's, like, so, so terrifying. So I don't ever want to, like, discount that for anybody of, like, whether it's a good coming out or not. Like, it's always terrifying that very first time. Um, Yeah. And, like, even me who knew, I mean, I think anybody that identifies as LGBTQI plus um, knows pretty early on in their life. But it's... I think a lot of us come out as bisexual at first to kind of test the waters. It's like the way we dip our toes into it and see how people are going to react. And then you said like you came out as bi at first to like still have that, that idea of like being able to have a family and, and live your life normal. And I think that's something we don't talk about in the queer community enough of like how, painful it is to realize at one point in your life you will never have a wife and kids Mm -hmm. and that's like something that I've definitely struggled with my whole life and still do to this day of like I get into these weird depression modes of like sadness and fear of my future because I won't have a wife which I don't want one because obviously that's Mm -hmm. just not that'd be a very boring relationship for both parties involved Um, no offense to you hats out there yeah sorry girls um but it's like 
it's this weird feeling. And I don't know if it's the way that like society raises us or the way that we see families, but like it hurts so much knowing that I will not be able to just have a child one day. And in order for me to have one, it's going to take a lot of work and planning and time and money. Like the amount of money it costs to adopt a child and like give it a good life. Holy fuck. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's, I just want everybody to know, like, that's a normal feeling to, like, feel that sadness and depression that you won't live a normal heterosexual life. Um, yeah. But we're happy well, that you are who you are. I also think, like, you mentioned it a little bit, but I really do think it has to do with the way we are grown up. Like, I'm now a firm believer that what you see in movies or what you see in the media, like, does play a huge role in, like, you forming your future and growing up like yes there were gay people on tv but they weren't displayed as people that had a significant other that they had a boyfriend that they had kids like only very recently are we seeing in tv and movies like gay couples being portrayed as monogamous family people and i think that that's we would be doing a lot of discredit to ourselves and those of us that did come out and like felt that we had to, like if we wanted to be a hundred percent our authentic selves and come out of the closet, that that part of our life had to be given up. And for me, that was like an ultimatum because like I had mm-hmm. always wanted, I think it's kind of funny too, after we just had the keeping your sperm as a pet <laughs> episode, But growing up, I've always wanted to be a dad. I always wanted to have kids and raise them and be the baseball coach. Like a vast majority of men want to be. And I didn't think that that was possible if I came out as gay. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that you are also feeling that, and I know a lot of other gay men are also feeling that. And maybe there's people out there that are still questioning, but to know that like, it is still possible. All those things that you wanted as a kid, you wanted to be a dad are still possible. Yes. It is going to be a little bit more work. It doesn't happen as it doesn't happen naturally. It happens. You have to plan and almost you have to prove your worth as a parent to a certain extent that you are capable of supporting this child, but it's still there. It's still doable. So don't let that, that dream can always be there. Mm -hmm. And it only, only very recently have I decided, not decided, have I like come full circle to that of like being actively, when I came out, I thought I had to get rid of it. And then I went through this stage of like, it's still possible, but I don't want to vocalize it. Mm -hmm. And now very recently is the, I'm in this idea or this chapter where I'm like openly talking about it where I'm like oh yeah my future child someday or when I get married and have kids like now I'm actively reintroducing that language and that lingo back into my everyday conversations and it feels good and I think it's important to have those conversations and to continue to use that lingo if it is something that you want because the more you speak about it the more you start to believe it And then others around you start to also pick up on like the normalcy of a gay man, gay couple having children or lesbian couple having children or however you identify. Everyone is capable of being a parent and loving a child. So totally mental health moment, mental health moment. Now, now it's your turn. My turn. Um, Mine's a little bit different. I came out when I was 14 um so very young I obviously knew from a very young age that I was queer and I remember Ashton Kutcher and the rapper Eminem being my two first crushes my two very first male crushes um and like playing with those feelings and understanding what they meant uh I did that through middle school was very expressive of my uh, individuality, like to dress crazy, do crazy things with my hair, stuff like that. Um, I have five siblings and 
I am the second oldest. So as we all know, like older siblings are, are the ones that are supposed to like set the example, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I came out when I was 14. Uh, I remember I came out to one of my friends at school. Um, she was my best friend at the time. It was like sixth grade. I told her I was bisexual. She thought it was the coolest thing on the planet because when I was 14, back in 1972, it was like still this like posh thing that people didn't really talk about. So when it was brought up, it was like, holy shit. Um, so that was fun. That was my first, very first experience. Very first time telling it to a person out loud was at school. Um, it obviously spread around school pretty quick. Not a big deal. My parents didn't know any of the kids. Um, we moved around a lot. So I was only at this school for about a year and a half. Uh, so wasn't too worried about it. Um, fast forward probably about six months, maybe eight months. Um, I started hanging out with my stepsister a lot. She was at that time, 21 ish, maybe 22. Um, and I was the 14 year old little brother that liked to smoke cigarettes and smoke weed with her and drink and just like do all those fun things with her. So on the weekends I would go hang out with her. Um, with that being said, she had a friend who also was a homosexual and him and I grew very close over the weekends that I'd spent over at her house. Um, at the time he was 18, I was 14 still a little bit of an age gap. Um, I do want to say that everything that ever happened between us was very consenting, nothing creepy, Mm -hmm. nothing weird about it. It was just too two young gay men that wanted to enjoy each other's company. Um, Mm -hmm. So him and I officially started dating. It was kind of shitty because he was older. I was younger. I would call him on the phone at school. Um, During my lunch break, I would like use the classroom phones to call him. Um, Yeah, it was, it was very, uh, very like down low secret relationship. Um, My sister knew about it. I was just going to say, were you allowed to use the phones? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, mm-hmm. one thing about me is I always befriend everybody I meet, and that included my teachers. So, like, I was always very close with all my, my teachers in school. Um, so I would always just, like, run into their classroom on lunch and say, hey, can I call my friend? And they'd be like, yeah, go ahead. So I'd sit there for 45 minutes and just talk to him on the phone. <laughs> It was perfect. I kind of love that. Yeah, it was fun. So um, him and I dated for probably about two and a half, three months um, under the radar. My sister knew about it. So she would help us hang out by, you know, making sure that I could spend the weekends with her. Um, She would like go get him and bring him to wherever I was going to be at, whatever. Um, Super supportive. She was a lot of fun. She was a great time. Um, I decided to run away from home because I wanted to be gay out in the world and I didn't want to live in a house with rules. Um, so my sister helped me facilitate this. Um, I left for school one day with my backpack full of clothes instead of books and walked to the bus stop where my sister was waiting for me and got in the car. We drove away, spent about two days at her house with her. Um, And this was like during the school week. So obviously parents were probably like hella stressed, feel kind of sad for them now, but, um, yeah. So she picked me up. We went to her house. My boyfriend at the time came over, hung out, spent a lot of time together. Um, and then after being gone for about two days, my parents obviously called my sister and was like, Hey, have you heard from him? She lied to them, said no. She was like, being a good big sister and hiding me out, whatever. Um, About two days after I ran away, the police show up at her door. And she looks through the people, sees it's the police, tells me to go hide. So I run into her closet in the the main bedroom of her apartment. And I'm hiding in the closet. And a cop walks in and he just looks at me and says, come on, we got to go. So he puts me in the back of the cop car, takes me back to the police station where my parents are waiting. Um, and at this time it was my dad and my stepmom because my parents have been divorced since I was like, I don't even know how, you know, trauma blockage, maybe like two or four. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So once we got back to the police station, they take me home. I go to bed. My dad wakes me up at like midnight and t- brings me downstairs, puts me on the couch. And he asked me, <laughs> we'll call him James Bond. He sits me down and he says, who's James Bond? I said, what? He said, who's James Bond? I said, a friend. He said, don't fucking lie to me. I know who he is. I talked to your sister. What is going on? So during all of this, I ended up getting outed by my sister, which was not a malicious, intentional outing. It was just probably her trying to cover her ass for letting me run away for two days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was outed to my father. My dad was raised by a military brat. Um, so he was very conservative, very strict, very, the rules are the rules. Um, and yeah, so I was outed to him as you can probably guess that didn't go over very well. He was very angry. Um, told me that I was just going through it. It wasn't real, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my stepmom at the time was kind of a cunt and would, take me on long drives at night to like talk to me about it. But it was more in the sense of like, Hey, I'm here for you. What's going on. And then after I would tell her how I was feeling, what was going on, she would say, well, it's okay. You can do whatever you want. You just can't talk about it. You will never be able to bring a boyfriend home. You will never bring, be able to bring somebody to dinner. Um, so it was like very like slap backhanded support. Um, dealt with that for probably I don't know a month or two and then decided to move in with my mom um because my mom was more supportive uh she's always been the more the less conservative one of my two parents and Mm -hmm. uh she is somebody who wants to be my friend not my parent and at that time that's what I wanted and needed so I moved in with her uh uh after that I was just I was out I don't I didn't give a fuck. I said, I'm gay. I told everyone, anybody said anything, I yelled at them, punched them, whatever I had to do. Um, Where my mother lived was, I grew up in the um, ghetto of Denver. So I grew up in government housing with my mom. And as I'm sure you can put two and two together, like that type of person or that type of neighborhood is not very accepting of the gay community. Uh, So... Definitely struggled with fighting a lot in school, got expelled, got suspended, was constantly being sent home for fighting because I was just trying to defend myself. Um, but all all through this, my mom was pretty supportive. Kind of let me do whatever I want, which was like a blessing and a curse. Uh, at 16, I was definitely full, full-fledged homo, running, on the, running around on the streets, talking to boys, drinking, smoking weed, acting crazy. Um, I think a lot of that was like trauma response to my dad because my dad and I had no longer had a relationship at this point. Um, I went about three or four years without talking to him. Um, he was still pretty angry. I was angry at him. Uh, we were both angry at each other for me being gay, which was interesting. Um, I think I had an epiphany at one point where I realized that it wasn't his fault that he was angry at me. Um, and it wasn't my fault either. It was the way he was brought up was very strict and very military. And so the word gay wasn't a thing for him. And now his son just told him that he's going to date men and not date women and never, he'll never have grandchildren by me, you know? So, um, I had like this epiphany one day of just like, he's my dad. He loves me. He just doesn't understand. And I need to give him time to understand that. Uh, which I think is okay. And I think we mm-hmm. as a queer community in general need to cut some people, some slack in that area in terms of just like people are a product of their environment and people are how they are raised. And so mm-hmm. when people react negatively to you being gay or coming out, um, specifically family members, it's typically their response because of the way they were brought up. And so giving them the space to fully process and understand it, 
there is a common ground that you guys can meet at and have a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in general, people just resort to anger. So um, yeah, for the most part, that's pretty much what I did until I was 18 was just acted crazy, like a crazy teenager running around dating men, getting crazy. Um, I didn't have my first serious relationship until I was 18. Um, my very first boyfriend was only a couple months, obviously, and then things got a little crazy, so that doesn't really count. But um, when I was 18, I dated a guy for two years. He was 21. It was a very messy relationship. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Um, he's the one that put me in jail. So, uh, yeah, after that, I just was kind of crazy until I met my current boyfriend, who I've been with for eight years now. But it's just been a little bit of a wild ride. Um, the thing that I don't think people understand, and you kind of touched on this earlier, is like, yes, I came out when I was 14, but um, as a queer community, we're never going to be done coming out. We have to come out to every single person we ever meet for the rest of our lives. Uh, does it get easier? Absolutely. Does it get less scary? Sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, like just having the understanding that if somebody does come out to you or tell you that they're queer, just have an open heart and be loving and kind. And I'm very, very, very thankful for where we're at in society right now because Overall, I think we are in a time of our lives where it is openly accepted more so than before. And so coming out isn't as difficult as it used to be. But um, if somebody comes out to you, just know that it's not about you. It's about them and love and support them and hold their hand through it and just make sure that they know you're there. Yeah. I think you also hit a really good point as far as like uh, us as the queer community think that we need to like us as the queer community feel that everyone needs to be on the same level as we are in the progressiveness, but that's just not reality. So coming where I came from and being surrounded by some amazing educated progressive friends, I was surrounded by that. So my accepting of like different communities is far greater than somebody who maybe grew up in a community that didn't have those resources. Mm -hmm. And so for us, for me to come out and expect for me to come out to somebody who maybe grew up in a very conservative religious uh, background for me to come out and expect them to be a hundred percent accepting of it is asking a lot. Do I think that we are, could get there? Absolutely. It's amazing working with a whole bunch of Gen Z's and like talking with them and how accepting they are, even in a very right-wing conservative religious areas, mm-hmm. how accepting they are of just, you are who you are, you love who you love. Um, but I think that we also need to have patience with, everybody around us no matter if you are however you identify we just need to bring back a little bit more empathy in certain circumstances um and by no means am i saying like it ever like however you were raised or however you think it's not an excuse for being a bigot or to be violent towards people who are not like you uh but for us to sit here and I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but for us to like think that we're on chapter 20 and they're only on chapter five. So we're a little bit, we're a little bit further in the book than they are. And so eventually they'll get there. Eventually they'll get to that chapter 20 or maybe they'll just put down the book and be like, Hey, I don't want to read this anymore. And if that's the case, then those are the people that maybe you don't want surrounded in your life or you know that they're not actively trying to get to your chapter, get to the same page that you're on. And so it's almost in a way it's doing you a favor because you know what walls you need to be, have up around them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And that's, that's I think the biggest thing is just like, give those people in your life grace um, because people that love you want what's best for you. And coming out to them is also like 
they have to learn how to accept it. And when I come out to people, I don't ever expect you to just like, I don't, A, I don't expect you to approve of it. I don't give a fuck what you approve of. That's not what I'm here for. But Mm -hmm. what I do expect is for you to love me as a human, no matter what. And if you can't do that, that's where I do cut those ties. Um, But I also do give people grace in the fact that they just don't understand. Like, I don't understand heterosexual people. And I don't expect them to understand the queer community because... I mean, to be frank, like, I don't even understand the queer community sometimes, you know, like, I'm very uneducated when it comes to transgendered individuals, when it comes to a lot of our community, I'm very uneducated, and it's because I'm not living that life. And so I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, I give myself grace, and I give everyone else grace around me of, hey, I'm here to educate you on my life, as long as you're willing to learn. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it took me a while to come to terms to that of just being okay with people asking questions. Um, And it has a lot to do with like my own personal internalized homophobia of like still being comfortable in certain scenarios and certain areas of my life, being comfortable speaking and talking about it. Uh, And then also to counterbalance that of realizing that sometimes it's not appropriate for me a hetero passing sometimes <laughs> cisgendered white man giving the perspective on the queer uh giving the queer perspective mm-hmm. um so all in all it is a little bit of a balancing act and i have realized it is getting easier depending on who you're talking to but you hit it right on the nose we will never stop coming out we will never have to stop correcting somebody. Um, but it is, I think it's a realization of like what I'm living with and what I will have to continue to live with. And I hope that the next generation will not have to do that. You hear it all the time of like, we shouldn't have to come out. Like the whole coming out. And I I really, truly as powerful it is, it is to come out. And it's like the first time that you get to meet yourself. I think that that's a huge thing that like, I don't want to skip over your first time coming out is the first time that you get to meet yourself. 100%. And I think that's really powerful. And I think that hopefully over time, we won't have to come out that queer people can just be queer and not have to correct people on whoever, whatever their sexual preference is. I know that we are far step, we're far, we have a lot more steps that we need to take, but that is the ultimate goal. And it's nice to have that in the background. Um, So yeah. Totally. I love it. We're very gay. I'm glad you're gay. Thanks for sharing. Me too. I'm glad you're gay. Thanks. I'm glad to be gay. Yeah. Same. And I, I do want to touch on, you said internalized homophobia. I want to touch on that a little bit just because I want, everyone needs to know that it's okay to have that. It's Mm -hmm. okay to feel those internalized homophobic feelings sometimes. I encourage you not to act on them or think less Mm -hmm. of yourself because of them. But we have been raised in a world that has constantly told us that we are wrong or we are not right, or there's something wrong with us or that we're sick. And so we are constantly fighting those demons in our heads. Um, And part of that was like the whole part of my internalized homophobia is like, there are times I hate that I'm gay and I wish that I was straight so that I could just easily have a family. And like my parents would call me and say, Hey, can the kids come up this weekend? You know, stuff like that. So it is okay to feel those feelings and express them. And I just want to make sure everybody understands that you're not alone in those feelings. We all have that. We all have internalized Mm -hmm. homophobia and we all feel a lot of the same feelings. So find somebody in your life that you can relate to on that and discuss it. Yeah. Also, everyone has different forms of internalized homophobia and this is, and it's different depending on the season that you're in. Like it's, internalized homophobia and we're on like a healing journey 
like being queer, we're constantly like healing ourselves and healing our feelings and hearing, healing our spirits. And so you might heal this sanction of your internalized homophobia. And then another one pops up that you'd never realize. Like currently the one, and I didn't realize it until this episode was kind of feeling off or like if somebody were to come up to me, because we were discussing, I hope no one ever has to come out. I hope that we get to a stage in society where nobody has to come out. Mm-hmm. And for me, my internalized homophobia now is I do have people in my life and not even in my life, strangers on the street that don't assume that I want a girlfriend or a wife, that they are open to any form of sexuality. And then once they introduce that question of like, they'll ask a question like, Oh, like, your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whoever it is. And then me just kind of having that, oh, wait, am I, oh, shoot. Did you just read me the, did you just read me as gay? And then for me to like take that split second of like, oh, no, wait, it's, it's okay. Like Mm -hmm. you're no longer hiding that part of your life. And so it's part of healing is also realizing that random conversations will pop up a feeling that you didn't know you had. And so, as you said, finding a person that you can talk to these things about, um, therapy is always a huge thing. Um, I'm going to post some stuff on our Instagram um, that it's free therapy sessions as well, too. So you can speak to somebody, but even just like what we're doing here, like having this conversation and being upfront and honest and without fear of judgment, because the term homophobia is a very heavy word Mm -hmm. and as part of the community you never want to say that you're homophobic but because of how we are raised internalized homophobia is a thing Mm -hmm. it is and so in order to heal yourself you have to talk about it and you have to have those conversations even if they're awkward we don't want to totally but do you know what time it is It's Buckle Bear Roundup! It's your favorite time of the day! I just have to catch you up on so many things. So if you are not aware of what Buckle Bear Roundup is, it's where me, Buckle Bear, gets to scroll through TikTok and save TikToks to see if our cowboy is on the same, aka the right side of TikTok. And I'm usually not. (laughs) Correct. Usually never. Okay. So the first things first is this isn't even a side of TikTok, but it's a terminology that I want to hear your opinion on it. And I already kind of think I know what it is. Um, first of all, what's your opinion on the term <laughs> Thagagosians? Come again? Thagagosians? So... I saw that in our notes, and I probably spent a good 20 minutes trying to pronounce it, and I'm not sure if it's because of your spelling, or if it's just because I don't know what it is. I spelled it right. F-A-G-A-G-O-C-I-A-N-S. Fagagosians. What does it even mean? You're gay. I hate it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just say it a couple more times and it might, it might, you know. Can you say it again? It might just, Fagagosians. No, I hate it. Should it be our first merch launch? Absolutely not. On the front, Fagagosians. On the back, Dicks Out Feral. No. It sounds like, if <laughs> it sounds like you bought dinnerware at a thrift store. And polished it, and then hand painted with nail polish on the bottom of it. Fine china. <laughs> it's fagagocious. I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, it doesn't even come off the tongue easy. Like it's not even easy to say. Like you have to try and say it. I don't want to try and say a word. I love it. Anyways, next we'll, we'll circle back around to that. We'll circle back around to that. So um, if you would buy that shirt, Fagagosians on the front, Dicks Out Fur on the back, let us know. 
Um, how often is T Swift on your TikTok? Uh, maybe once a week. Okay. This week, the Hets and the Heathers and Gays are clashing. We have a marriage of the two cultures. If you are not aware, maybe even living under a rock, but T Swift apparently is dating somebody named Travis Kelsey. Okay. Who is a football player on the Chiefs? Am yeah. I saying this right? Am yes. I doing this right? So <laughs> it's funny. I'm so fucking good at what I do. Oh, you're so butch. Um I know. What's funny is that I've seen Taylor Swift a lot in the last like four days on my my feed because of this football player. So I have two different parts to this. One, I think I'm going to start with a negative. And I might, the Swifties are going to send me hate messages. I'm tired of seeing Taylor Swift on my feed. And I would, I know. You just declared a civil war. I honestly... Let's. I'm here for the fucking drama. They're gonna come for you. Come. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I'll start with just a little bit more negativity, but I think it's just it's very like she's just been on the feed for so fucking long, and it's not just her. It's like everybody posting. Their Taylor Swift outfits. Everyone posting their Taylor Swift conspiracy. Everyone posting the new album. Everyone posting like all of this stuff. So in every different aspect, it's just it's a lot. And I'm like, I want to go back to like my normal content. So it's hard to just swim through the T Swift content. Counter to that, though, she is a legend and has very quickly become a legend status one because of how many people are talking about her but two she this weekend sunday i'm assuming it was sunday for sunday night football was at that stadium that was not sold out by the way not just two one team it was two teams tried to sell out that stadium taylor swift sold it out three times one woman sold out that stadium three times and these two teams couldn't. So I don't know what the dynamic of there is, but rumor has it, this is how their relationship started. Allegedly is Travis Kelsey like commented on one of her posts and said, I came and saw you do your thing in my stadium now, or I saw you do your thing in the stadium. Now come to my stadium and watch me do my thing. But let's face it. Every stadium that Taylor has performed in has been her stadium from okay, here on out. But also that's Taylor like the Swift cutest stadiums. little pickup line. It kind of is. Also, I'm, the man has game. Also, have you seen him? And of course you have. Cause he's fucking daddy. Oh, okay. So that's why. So <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. He's, this is why I watch football sometimes is because he is the most gorgeous football player I've ever seen. And I hate Taylor because now she's dating him and that just solidified that I will never have a chance with this man. And I'm pissed. There's still, listen, just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. That's true. We could touch on uh, I'll say that. all the straight men in our community that like to come swimming through the gay pool, but we'll save that for a different episode. That a hundred percent needs to be its own an episode. That's like a marathon. Yeah, that is. Maybe that's a spinoff. Maybe that is. Oh, is un- that is unbuckled. that us outing all these straight men though? I that thought literally just crossed my mind. You know, no, so it's not because we're not going to. We're not talking about specific people, so no, it's not. It's just in general the amount of. We're going to save this for the the episode. Yeah. Can I share a hot take with you? Yeah. I I don't like the show Hot Ones. I hate it. I don't have any opinions on it. 
well, it should, everyone wants to watch it all the time. And they always ask me about it. I'm like, I don't fucking want to watch that. They're, I've watched like one full episode, but I will say I will be watching an episode soon because Cardi B is going to be on Hollows. And you know that bitch is going to be the funniest person I've ever seen on that show. Oh, some of my favorite TikToks or are, I'll just type in Cardi B Star Wars sounds. If you are not or have not watched those, they are so fucking funny. Because the best part is, yeah, the best part is, it's not like she showed up to the studio and they played these clips to go over the sound and like the sound bits. They actively pulled these from her interviews. So the sounds that she's making are sounds that she makes in her interviews, which is just the funniest thing ever. Because when the, meow, when meow. are you just randomly going to bring that up in like a press conference or I some love shit it. like that? She's the funniest celebrity I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I'll probably watch that one. I not the biggest fan of hot ones. I don't think that I have like an opinion on it, but also at the same time, I do enjoy their clips. Yeah. I'm with, with things like that. I'm a clip guy. Like I want to see the funny parts of it and that like the highlights and that's it. I don't want to watch the whole episode. Yeah. Like the, it's like the famous meme of like the Jennifer Lawrence. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Have you seen that one? No. Okay. Literally 10 minutes before we started recording this episode, a federal judge declares SB 12 as unconstitutional in Texas. So if you are aware of what SB 12 is, it was the law that prohibited drag races in a public forum. And this federal judge not a state judge, a federal judge declared that it was an infringement on their First Amendment right of freedom of speech, and it is unconstitutional. So for those of you who have been following this ongoing battle that drag queens have been facing in the Capitol, this was a huge, huge win for drag queens and the queer community in general to express themselves and express their art. So I just wanted to share that because it's a celebratory moment. So that's huge. I think it's exciting. Let's freaking go. Snaps for Texas. Yes. I love that. You finally did something right. (laughs) I can't say that. You love Texas. Cut that out because I've only been here for three months. No, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm not cutting that out. I'm putting that on blast. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Remember, Whatever. I'm the bad guy because I do the editing. Yeah. You're going to give me a bad fucking edit again. Probably. Anyways, thanks for being queer with us and listening to our coming out story. Thanks for being vulnerable. We appreciate it. If this is your first time listening, please give us five stars. We appreciate Appreciate that. How many times can I say appreciate? Um, I just, we just fucking love you. We just so, love you. And thanks for being allies and loving us for who we are. We love you for who you are. Don't forget to slide into those DMs, bitch. We're lube though. <laughs> <laughs>